this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. What a beautiful Lord today we have today. And welcome today, welcome to um, the Adult Bible Bible Fellowship class. Uh, my name is Ron Bogus. For anybody who don't know me, I'm one of the elders here at uh, Cross Creek. So I'll be teaching today. We'll continue our studies. Harry taught last two Sundays. I'll be teaching the next two Sundays to continue our studies in First Peter. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to First Peter. Uh, chapter 2, we're going to be working, looking at verses 1 through 12. And whoever gets there first, well, let me open this up with a word of prayer with, once you get there, and then uh, we'll jump into this. Heavenly Father, we do come before you, Lord. Again, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy, Father, that we certainly don't deserve, but yet you have shed it upon us. And so, Father, we're, we're here today to hopefully learn about you, to glorify you, um, and to be uh, part of your kingdom. And so thank you, Lord, for uh, us being able to be here this morning. Be with us now and uh, help us to um, glorify you in our words and our actions here in this Sunday school class today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, so who's there who would like to read that scripture? First um, Peter 2, verses 1 through 12. Go ahead. Sleep. So put away all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up in salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him, excellencies of him, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when you speak, when, you, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. All right. Let's... Um... We'll jump in. There's a lot here, very much. I, I probably will not. I mean, I'll get through the, the scriptures. I, I, I put up the points that I think that uh, we ought to address. <clears throat> um, but man, there's a lot in this. In this, there's a lot here. So, um, and I'm really going to be probably touching the tops of it. Um, but hopefully, we generate some good questions and we can do some discussion and and uh, and do that. So, um, looking at the introduction on on your papers that you have. Um, Peter's continuing to discuss and develop the idea of Christ uh, as a cornerstone of the church that was rejected by the Pharisees and the Sadducees of his time. Uh, those who are in Christ are to be a holy priesthood and spiritual stones of the church. Because of the work of Christ and the indwelling spirit, we are to throw off our sin and daily follow Christ and execute the good works that God has provided us to do from the beginning of time. Um, so, Let's talk about that very first. This is basically verses one, right there in verse one, which says, "Lay off and put aside what is evil." Verses one through three. Now, um, Peter discusses many evils that are to be put aside. Um, our ten commandments are our guide. The whole, the whole amount of them. He just lists a few here. Um, and, and again, if we are to be a holy and priest, priestly people, the followers of Christ, we must follow along with Him. We must follow. We must long to follow him. Excuse me, and the Holy Scriptures in all matters of our lives, not just church. Um, and so Peter um, brings out these 
these things. Malice. Um, what is malice? I know it's on there, but no, I like people talking. So what's malice mean? It's unrighteous your words. anger, Ron. I'm sorry? It's unrighteous anger. It's when you're mad at somebody for no reason. But anyway, you, know, you don't have to use what I put on there. Um, deceit. What happens when you're deceit? Yes, what do you mean? Disapproval and dislike for somebody or some group of people Very good. on no particular ground. We don't have to act out that anger. Mm -hmm. We don't have to act it out if we think it. We, we have caused, we have sinned. If we think it, if we, in our minds, like you say, uh, we're mad at somebody, we're upset with them, and we're not telling them even, and we're, having, we're bearing these feelings, and we haven't gone and talked to somebody about it, um, generally the person you might be unjustly mad at, um, you're sinning. So yes, a thought and a mind. I think our whole, family, our whole country is sick with malice because we have these groups of people who just intensely dislike, to put it mildly, the other side, even though they don't know these people personally. Well, the world is full of sinners all the way around. We're all sinners. And that's a good point. I just don't want to get into the political wing of things, even though you know I'm... No, you're I'm right, though. But I, you're right. Nobody wants to listen to the other side. You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> um, hypocrisy that goes right along with what you just said John. you know um, there's, and there's many times many different types of hypocrisy but really you know has anybody ever experienced that by chance I think as a parent I am the hypocrite many times and our children are a reflection of ourselves uh -huh. and so that, that really does come to a head when they do something that I've told them not to do and yet the next minute I find myself doing the same thing. It's very humbling. It is humbling, and anybody that has been a parent probably has crossed that. That's a good point. Um, and so, you know, sometimes our children help us to be better people, you know, to be better Christians, in fact. Um, but again, we have to realize we are all sinners, that we don't throw our hands up in the air, so we still have to correct in our children. That's a whole different ball of wax. But it's very important, obviously, that we... Bring them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Um, envy, giving it, uh, <clears throat> grieving at the welfare or good of another. Um, you know, we we should not do these things um, because I don't have a new car and Joseph has a nice brand new truck or something. I shouldn't be like, man, I hope he gets a flat tire or something. <laughs> you know, we don't want to do that. We do not want to. We should be grateful for them. We should be thankful that they have the things that they have. Um, Slander, again, speaking against another, defaming. Um, as Christians, we will experience this, and if you haven't, you will. Um, the world loves to slander a Christian. Um, Sometimes we unfortunately give them the ammo to do that with, but um, if you haven't experienced that in the workplace, uh, just in, sometime just out on the street, um, um, an unbeliever loves to slander because it lowers you down to their level. It really, they're trying to diminish what Christ has done in your life. So if you haven't been slandered, probably will be. Um, but we should not be doing these as Christians. If we call ourselves Christians, if we're following Christ, we don't do these things. And we certainly all, be, these, we're just looking at a small piece of them. That's why I threw in there, you know, Ten Commandments. We, that's, that's our, that's what, that, that whole, the whole Ten Commandments is what we do uh, need to follow. Because Christ, that, that's what God gave us. So, I threw this in here. This had nothing to do with this next piece. It's nothing to do with with uh, First Peter. But we kind of. I want to. I want to make sure. I'm going to pass up a chance to talk about how do we become a royal priesthood? How do we get here in the first place? How do we get to become a Christian? If you are in Christ, what happened? I believe for me it was God. God put. His law on everyone's heart, and growing up, as you know, you know, we went to church, we learned more about it, and the Holy Spirit called us, called us to make a decision, and then in doing so, we became children of God. Well, and that's exactly right. I'm, and I'm not going to, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but I just want to go through it real quick, and I put it down on there as. I did this class with foundations, but um, we would call it TULIP. Um, it comes from 
uh, Calvin, and it starts off with our salvation. We are, we are dead in our trespasses, total depravity. And then we have unconditional election, limited atonement, which is we were elected, and God only elects a few to um, salvation, and he elects others to damnation. And that's called predestination. And then finally, irresistible grace. We cannot resist God's grace because we have been changed. Our hearts have been changed, and he has changed us in a fortnight so that we can now agree to things that we had turned our heels against before. I can vouch for that in my life when I was saved. Uh, and then uh, finally, our perseverance of the saints. And you find ourselves, this is where we are. What Peter's talking about is this perseverance of the saints. What we're doing, we've been saved, we're Christians, we're living in following Christ, and now we're persevering as saints. And how do we do that? And Peter's getting at that as he starts talking about this royal priesthood and what that is. And these stones, these holy stones that we're building up, each one of you who calls yourself a Christian, who is in Christ, is a holy stone. And your talents and the things that you have and what God has given you, you're building up the church. Not only a visible church, but when we pass on to the realms beyond, the invisible church. So we belong both to the invisible and the visible church. We're all part of that. And we worship God on a Sunday. It's the invisible church and the visible church coming together to worship Him in a holy manner and to glorify Him. So, what Peter's talking about here is, hey, you know, this is persevering the saints. This is a, this is a section of our life, for lack of better terminology, is where we're at. And so how do we do this? What are we supposed to be doing? Well, you put away, put away all malice. Put away these things. Um, all right, so Peter's given us a warning here against our sins. Uh, while we are still saved and our sanctification continues, we are still tempted in many ways. And, you know, you brought that back up about your children. You know, we, we, you know you're, you're correcting them and then you just did something that they did. So we are all still sinners. This is the, this is the problem. This is the issue. We're all still sinners. And we will not be sinning until we stand before our Maker and we're fully glorified. Unless Christ comes again and judges everybody and then we will be fully consummated at that time. So, one of those two things is going to happen. Um, so, so, Peter's bringing this out. You know, we have to put these things aside. Um, the, uh, and he's giving us these warnings. And Matthew Henry, who has a great commentary on this, um, he says... Our best services to God will neither please Him nor profit us if we be not conscientious in our duties to men. One sin not laid aside will hinder our spiritual profit and everlasting welfare. So, how, do we, how, do we, how are we supposed to deal with our sin? Because we sin on a daily basis. What are we supposed to do? What does the Bible tell us? What does Christ told us to do? Confess. That's right. And repent. And repent. That's important. And sometimes we have to do that multiple times in the day. And because we do, we are, uh, we should be working. And we repent, we have this sin, we should be working against it. So it's an active repentance. It's not like, God forgive me for doing that, help me not to do that, that's good to pray that way. But then you have to take the actions, you have to take steps to try, with God's help, with the inworking of the Holy Spirit, to not do that anymore, whatever that sin is, whatever it is. And you have to realize that you do sin. And so that's a daily thing. You know, how do we do that? Well, being in the Word, praying, you know, Bible studies, all the little things that we do, men's Bible study, women's Bible study, um, the preaching of the Word when Michael preaches on Sundays. A little bit different because we're worshiping God, but we do get the Word of God does not, as so I'll say this here a little bit later, the word of God is not going to come back void for which the purpose it was sent out for. And it will affect everybody in this room differently. However God decides he wants it to be affecting you. So, it's important. <clears throat> because, I can tell you for myself, and I'm going to ask anybody to say anything, but I've been in situations where I've done sinful things, and, I, and it really has, it does, it ruins your walk. Um, uh, and it, it affects, your sin does not only affect you, your sin affects your brothers and sisters in Christ, your sin affects people outside the church because they see what's going on. Well, look at that church, or look at these people, or look at that. I mean, all the things that they say. Um, 
or you do something at work that just isn't, you know, lose your mind, lose your temper, whatever, um, you know, that can happen in the Army realms very easily. Um, the, uh, um, and it just, it just ruins your walk, especially if people know that you're a Christian, and you, they ought to know by your good deeds and by your works and how you act and how you carry yourself. So that's what Matthew Henry is trying to bring out here. Then, about, then Peter gives on there, so sin is very critical. We, we need to control it. We, need not, we can't control it. We need to fight it. It's a battle. You know? If you're not killing sin, sin's killing you. Jonathan Edwards. Please don't Jonathan Edwards. But, um, so, that's an important part. We need to, it will hinder us. It will hinder your walk. It will hinder your um, gifts. It will hinder your works in, this, in God's kingdom here on earth. Um, <clears throat> so, how do we... But you can't just do it by... You have to know what to do. You have to know how to do it. So that's what Peter starts talking about now. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. Now what do you think that means? Long for the pure spiritual milk. What do you think he's getting after? Word of God. Which word of God? The only word of God. The Bible. That's true. Exactly. Do you think there's people out there um, <clears throat> telling that things are in the Bible or ideas and concepts that aren't exactly correct, yes. but would call themselves Christians, would call themselves you know, followers of Christ and God? Do you think there's those people out there? Yeah, Do you think there's people out there that are in, misinformed, even? Mm-hmm. They just don't know what they're doing. Or they think they're doing right, but they're not. So, yeah, Absolutely. Um, and so we have to seek after that pure, the pure, the truth. There's only one truth. Today, in today's society, everybody has a truth, and we're supposed to validate that everybody else's truth is right and correct. Well, there's only one truth. It's right here. Everything that you need to know, regardless of your age, regardless of what situation you're going through, regardless of what walk of life you came from or are at now, it's all in here. And you have to be into it. You have you know, the pastor and the elder and everybody else, we can't teach you enough. You have, I, I strongly urge you, you have to be in the Word yourself. If you're not doing your individual Bible studies at home, uh, if you're not doing catechism with your children, if you're not coming to men's Bible study or women's Bible study, if you're not involved in the church in some way, if you're only coming to church on Sunday, you are behind. I'm just going to be straight up with you. It doesn't matter. It's, I'm not saying that you have to come to every event. I'm not saying that you're bad if you don't come to every event. Please don't take it that way. But you need to be involved in the church. The lifeblood of Christ. This is what's being built here. And if you're not involved, you might be a critical stone that needs to be involved. If Peter's getting into this, you are a holy stone. A part of the church. And if you're not involved, if you're not engaged in some fashion, maybe it's only you can go to women's Bible study. But that's okay. Okay? Um, You know, pick something. Do one thing. But it's very important because you are not going to be molded to Christ and you're not going to become a holy priesthood and you're not going to become a holy stone if you're not usable. You have to be usable. And you learn, you get usable by learning what the scriptures say, by understanding what they say, being in Bible studies and teaching each other and, and your catechisms to your children. It's, you know, older women should be teaching the younger women. The older men should be teaching the younger men. And that's biblical. That's the way we should be doing things. This is a generational thing. I have no idea when Christ is going to come again. And I would love him to come right now. I would love it. I'd pray for it. But I don't know when he's going to come. But when, until that time, we have to build ourselves up in Christ Jesus. We need to follow him. And we have to do these things. I can't do it for you. Rick and other elders, he can't do it for you. I mean, we do in Sunday school class and stuff. Michael can't do it just preaching from the pulpit. You guys have to take the mantle up. You have to carry it. You are important. Every last one of you are. And you have to do your bit. Um, all right, so that's what we're seeking for. We're seeking for the truth, the spiritual milk, that what Christ has offered us, what God has given us in the Holy Scriptures, both the Old and the New Testament. They go together hand in hand. And so how do we do this? And I already talked about this. The Word. The Word feeds us. The word of God does not leave a man as it, as it has found him, or a woman for that matter. The word does not come back void of its purpose. Isaiah 55, 11. All scriptures God breathed. You've heard these, these 
scriptures before. I'm not reading them all, but they're there for you to go back. I would challenge you to go back this afternoon. Let's just take a look at them. Pray over them. The word is like a two-edged sword. That's Hebrews 4.12. And so, constant, strong desire for the word. That's something that we need to be reflected in ourselves. Um, it's important. If you call yourself a Christian in Jesus Christ, and if you're following him, there has to be a constant, strong desire for the word in your life, whatever that is. Um, and then it helps us to grow in salvation. It helps us persevere, which is what we're doing right now. That's what I talked about earlier. We're persevering as saints, and, um, and we're moving along until one, we're called home, or Christ comes again. All right. So, again, and then growth, it provides us growth in wisdom and grace. Um, if we don't have wisdom, if we don't have grace, we are lost. Even if you call yourself a Christian. If, if, if you don't have wisdom... And if you don't have grace, you will not treat other people properly. You will not treat yourself properly. You will not treat you will not teach the church. You will not treat the church properly. And you won't treat the world properly either. Um, grace and wisdom, while it's very difficult to get, it is something that should grow in you. You should be seeking it. That's what Proverbs tells us, seek wisdom. Um, and, and God provides us um, Grace, and but again, we have to continue to work at it. We have to stay in the scriptures. We have to learn. We have to understand um, what it is we are to do or what it is we're not to do. And so I wrote here, all of these gracious desires we possess come from Christ our Redeemer. So if we have any grace, it comes from Christ. We didn't generate it. Okay? You need to understand that. And if we're not in the Word, we're not in prayer, if we're not building that relationship with Christ and God... You're going to be lacking. Um, we have but a taste of the grace of Christ in this life. I mean, just a taste. We just have a little bit. I mean, can you imagine standing before the holy majesty of God and Christ? I, that day when it comes, I don't know how it'll be, but it's just going to be something so magnificent that we've never seen it. You can sit here, all of us can put together the most magnificent thing, the vision or something we saw you know, in God's kingdom here on earth. We can put all that majesty together and it will come to a thumbnail of, of Christ's majesty and grace flowing from him. We stand before him and we see him as he is. I, I look for that day. And so uh, this grace is now part of our being because he has, he has redeemed us. We are redeemed. Uh, uh, we can only have this grace through the indwelling life-changing spirit. The grace is now part of our being and should reflect in our actions. Because we are saved in Christ. We love because Christ first loved us. And we have tasted that the Lord is good. We have tasted that. If you call yourself a Christian, if we are, and we are, um, you know you've tasted this. You know that the beauty and the wonderment of Christ. And this is what Peter's getting at. You know that you've tasted this. You know that. You've seen it. Um, and some of these people that he's talking to probably were alive and saw the actions that Christ did. Saw him in his actions on the earth. Seen him help, you know, um, helping the, he's, um, I can't say the word, I lost it, I'm sorry. But anyway, but healing people and, and bringing them up. So, and, and once we have that taste, um, it should cause us, it should give us a drive to go more and more and get more and more of it. All right. Any questions on those first three verses? Because I'm going to move along here. I was afraid we was going to run into this. Okay, so let's go on into uh, coming, coming to Him as I pray through verses 4 through 8. Um, this verse, these verses are directed us to come to Christ, not just for salvation, but continually. What do you think Peter is talking about when he says uh, that we should come unto Christ, not just for salvation, but continually? We already kind of talked about it, but what do you think that means? Because he is the vine, and we are the branches, and so we need constantly to be connected to him, and we have a relationship with him. So it's not like just Christ saved us, and then that's it. We just we're on our way. We're on our we're on our own. No, no, that's not it. No, we need we need him. We need him every hour. Your that's right. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I, you know, in situations, you might need them every second. I can probably think of some points in my life that 
every second counted. Um, we won't go into that. But anyway, yes, we have to. We should be seeking Him out because um, Christ is definitely seeking us out. But we need to also be continually going back to the fountain. He is the fountain of life. Everything that comes from Him has flowed from Him, and so we need to continually go back for that. I'm going to use an army term, rebluing. Um, and like I said, that could be on a daily basis. Um, but um, rebluing is when they take a, a weapon that has been used many, many times, and that color on the outside of the barrel starts fading and stuff like that. So they'll go back and they'll reblue the, the, and it'll be look like brand new. You know, like a new, all the metal and everything looks new on that. So, and we need to be, we need to be renewed. Um, you know, R.C. Sproul, renewing your mind. That's what he calls his daily, con- his uh, daily confessions. And, um, and so we need to do it on a daily basis. Um, Peter's referring here to the initial repentance and faith in Christ and then also continued drawing near to Christ um, after our conversion. Um, the living stone. Here we start getting into this discussion about living stones, priesthood, these kinds of things. Christ is the foundation, cornerstone of the church. He is the head. He is the lead. Um, and so we, everything we do or don't do um, is according to his will. Um, he is foundational to all of our hopes and happiness. Mercy only comes to those who believe. Mercy is, um, is unmerited favor. We don't get what we deserve. That's what mercy is. Um, we can talk about grace. They're not the same things. Grace, there's common grace. The rain comes down. It rains on the, the bad people, the sinners. and Well, we're all sinners, but it rains on the believers and it rains, rains on the non-believers. So that's common grace. We get specific grace when we're saved, when God, when Christ, the inner working of the Holy Spirit has come to us, now we have God's grace to be able to do the good works that he's laid out for us to do. And he's laid these works out for us before the foundations of the earth. Now, I don't understand that, but he knew us. He knew us before the foundations of the earth. Before we even made one cry as a baby, he knew us. That's what the Bible says. And so I don't necessarily understand all that, and that's okay. Um... But the point of the matter is, it's God's plan. And God's plan will not be thwarted, and we will achieve what he wants us to achieve. And that will happen. It is God's will. Nobody else is going to thwart him or prevent him from doing, um, to the end of time, what he will have us do. Um, So, we have God's grace to do that. um, And we get mercy because we don't, even though we deserve to go to hell... You know, every last one of us in this room, we all deserve to go to hell. God has said, no, I have chosen these people as a royal priesthood to not go to hell and to do my will for my kingdom on earth as it is right now, and that's mercy. And so that's what Peter's talking about here. Um, And the the scriptures to back all this up, I'm not going to hit all those because we don't have time. I I put those on there, but I challenge you again, please go to that and... um, um, look at that this afternoon. I think that would be very good for you. He lays that out very nicely. And so then he, Peter goes on to talk about we are like living stones. Um, and, and really what this is is the, our Christian union with Christ. We are, un, we are the union with Christ. We are union with Him. And, and Christians, are, we are to re, resemble Christ. Even in our fallen state, in our fallen sinful nature we still have, we are still art, we still work, we still strive, we still move through the grace of God to be like Christ. That's what we're that's what our perseverance is about. That's what we're trying to do. So um, and so being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. When Peter starts talking about this, Christ, as I mentioned earlier, is the high priest. He's the head priest. God swore this, and this was in Psalms 110, verse 4. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Matizelik. Now, I'm not going to go into it, but I guess there's a, there's a lot of, not confusion, there's, there's different debates going on, whether he's actually a priest, or maybe not he's a priest, or maybe he was done in, he was a priest in a, on um, um, one aspect, but not necessarily another. But no, these scriptures right here, I think, are very clear. God has made it clear, you are a priest, and so he is a priest. It was, I was just looking at, it was in Burkhoff's, Systematic theology. Just bring that up. I mean, I, again, I don't think there's any confusion in this church or, or the PCA, uh, but he is, um, you know, he is a priest. And, and that scripture clearly bears that out. 
Um, but so Christ, which is very interesting checking this, Christ is both priest and, and the sacrifice. He was the priest, and he was the sacrifice. In the Old Testament, these things were different. You had your priests in the Old Testament who went in and did the atonement, but the animals were the sacrifice, and they were sacrificed outside the holies of holies, but the priest would take the blood in to the most holy part and do his prayers and the things that they would do um, in, in, on behalf of the people. But Christ is both of these things. Um, for the work that he did and does, and he was the final sacrifice on the cross. And so I thought this was very interesting, and I brought that out. Um, and even in the Old Testament, they were still imperfect. Um, the sacrifices were imperfect. The priests were imperfect. But Christ is the perfect head. He is a perfect sacrifice. He is the perfect priest. So we can take great confidence in following him. And knowing that what he says is true and factual and that pure scripture that we're looking for, that pure word. Um, and then, uh, let's see, I lost my place here, hang on. Um, okay, and I read this, this, I, this comes out of Lewis Burkhardt's Systematic Theology. Um, Hebrews describes Christ, our meditator, our mediator, excuse me, as our only real and perfect high priest appointed by God who takes our place vicariously and by his self-sacrifice obtains real and perfect redemptions. And then he gives the, the uh, quoted uh, scriptures there. Again, we're not going to hit all those, but again, it, it verifies, it confirms, and that's the point I'm trying to bring out here. Christ is our head. Christ is our lead, and we are to follow him, and we are to use our talents and our abilities um, to be these spiritual stones uh, that Peter is talking about as we build the church up. And it is generational. Uh, so we offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The good works that God has laid out for us to accomplish for his glory, and again, I, I say this, I had already said this, but these, these spiritual sacrifices, we're not sacrificing people, obviously. You know, what do you think spiritual sacrifices mean? And what Peter's talking about. I just looked that up this morning. Gotquestions.org received a satisfactory response. Our, it says our, our prayers, our praise to God, especially in times of trouble and distress, and our, like we say here, our good works. We're using our bodies and our time and our resources for the glory of God. I, I think that's I think that's right. We we are to sacrifice, you know. We, we are to give, we are to do, we're supposed to use our time, we're supposed to use our talents. And I'm going to hit these themes throughout here because it, it's very important what we're talking about in verses 1 through 12 here. If we're going to be spiritual stones, if we're going to be this priesthood that Peter's talking about, again, we don't get it by osmosis, it just doesn't come to us. We have, it's something, it, you know, it's worked for. It's something that we have to be sacrificing for. And I think our prayers, our time, our efforts, all of these things... Um, go into these, and you remember, any good works that we do are just filthy rags. But the reason we do them is because God laid them out for us to do. For His glory, not our glory. If we go around and act like, look at all what I've done, okay, that's not, that's not becoming a royal priesthood, that's building yourself up. And we don't do that, we're not going to do that. And if we are doing that, we need to check ourselves. Because, um, and it's easy to do. Um, and I'll just say this to leaders of the church. It's easy for leaders in the church to do that. We're supposed to be shining the light on the lady on, on, and get people built up in the Word, build up in Christ. That's our job is to motivate you, to, to make you love one another and to care about one another and to do the things that Christ would have done if he's here right now. To mend the broken heart, to mend the broken bone, to take a meal to somebody, to come to the older people and ask them for guidance and wisdom, to walk a, a walk that is not only pleasing to God, but reflects Christ in your life. We need to do that. And I, I don't do it well enough. I don't. I'm a leader in a church. So I can't speak to anybody else, but we need to self-reflect. We absolutely need to self-reflect. Because we cannot become a spiritual son, and we cannot become a royal priesthood. We cannot do it if we don't try to keep working at these things. Now again... We, we will not be perfected until we stand before God or Christ comes again, but that doesn't give us an excuse not to try to do these things. 
So we do. We offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. Um, and uh, okay, a contrast. Uh, excuse me. A contrast of Christ, the cornerstone. This is verses six through eight. Um, and I thought this was a great comparison using the Old Testament scriptures and talking about the cornerstone um, that the, re- the builders rejected. Um, Christ is the cornerstone chosen by God, and He is precious to God. Is Christ precious to us? Is Christ precious to you? I'm not asking anybody to answer that. But think about it. Is he precious to you? We have dogs that are precious to us and animals that are precious to us and our children are precious to us. Our mothers and fathers and our dads and our kids and everybody is precious to us. But is Christ really precious to us? Think about that. I ask you to dwell on that as well this afternoon. Be in your prayers. And And I think we could all, including me, you know, I think we can ask Christ, ask ask God to help us to be more thoughtful, and we want to have a, a more precious um, <coughs> understanding of Christ and what He's done for us. So He is the cornerstone. Whoever believes will not be put to shame. Now, how do we believe? We already went through it. Did we believe on our own? No. What did we believe? How did we believe? God. God's the first cause. God called us out of our sin, out of our darkness. Yes. Thanks be to God. But whoever believes will not be put to shame. That doesn't mean that our lives are going to be easy. It's not going to mean that everything's a bowl of cherries. Because what did Christ say? If you believe in me, if you're a follower of me, and I'm persecuted, what's going to happen to you? You're going to be persecuted also. So we're, you know... Being a Christian, not necessarily an easy thing. We're not, it's not going to be a bowl of cherries all the time. No, we're not going to get our way all the time. We're not going to be able to say, you know, thus saith I. That's not how it works. Because we're a body. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Each of us come together, making the church and growing it in this generation the best we can until Christ comes again. So it's not about us. But... Regardless of what the world does to us, regardless of what our brothers and sisters in Christ does, we will not be put to shame. If we call ourselves in Christ, Peter tells us that right here, and Christ has told it by his own mouth through other places in the Scripture. We will not be put to shame. That gives me great confidence. It gives me great um, uh, confidence to try and do the things that I should be doing in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Um, And it's an honor for you who believe, for us who believe. It's an honor. What Christ has done for us, there are untold millions, probably billions, that are going to go to hell. And for whatever reason, you know, he has picked us. He has chosen us to be a royal priesthood. He picked me, of all people. If I was picking, I wouldn't have picked me. And I mean that seriously. Um, I don't know. It's not for me to know God's mind. But he has done that. So it is an honor. And you should look at it as being an honor. Not putting yourself above or elevating yourself above others. That's not what I'm talking about. But it is an honor that he has looked down on his high throne from heaven and chosen each and every one of us for whatever reason to do his good will on earth. And, and because it comes from him, that's why we should be humbled. But it should be also honoring to us to realize that God took time out of his busy day to seek us out and to call us to himself, effectually call us uh, to be one of his own. Uh, it's it's mind-boggling to me. Uh, but it is an honor. And so for those who do not believe, this is the contrast. Here's what happens to those who do not believe. It becomes a stumbling stone. Christ, and everything that's in this book right here, from paying back to front, Old Testament, New Testament, becomes a stumbling stone. The world, this is a stumbling stone to them. They cannot get over it. There's all kinds of examples. In your, your daily lives, working around people, and whether it be in school or elementary school, or workers, or wherever else, they don't get it. It is a huge stumbling block. And they're fumbling around in the dark trying to figure it out, um, and they don't. They just don't know. And it is a stumbling stone. And it's a rock of offense. Has anybody been, you know, ever been offended by what the Scriptures have written? Just asking. Yes, sir? I'm going to amuse you with the, uh, something that happened to me. Okay. About, mm, 
I'd say about 35 years ago, I was a non-reformed Christian, and I was driving home from work uh, through the uh, southwest part of Pittsburgh at the time, and on the radio, the Christian radio, was somebody reading from uh, either Calvin or another reformed speaker discussing the, the saved and the reprobate. And how it was read was so judgmental that I almost drove off the road. I got so upset because I didn't, even though I believed the Bible at the time from cover to cover, it just didn't dawn on me that it was totally by God's mercy and his election and his sovereign will that I could be a Christian. Yeah. And it just seemed so unfair to me that. That, that that was uh, unfathomable at the time. But it's... it's no, I, I mean, I've, I've come to that realization about 15, 20 years ago right. that it belongs, grace is from God alone. Amen. And uh, it, the tough thing is to explain that to other people yeah. and evangelism. Right. That's, you know, what, what about the rest of the world and what about the rest of our neighborhood? And they show... No interest, and it's just upsetting. It is, and we should have great compassion on those who don't. Do that. We, you know, sometimes you know it's like you see, you see an attitude that you know somehow um, we should look down on them, or you know. But no, no, we should have the greatest compassion for these people because we know where they're going. We know, we know the truth is, but we don't throw that. We don't tweak their nose about it. We need to keep. You know, praying for them. We need to keep witnessing to them. They may not change. It may be somebody, you may be dead and in the grave, and somebody in their old age, change, you know, they actually come to Christ, they come to God. There's all kinds of stories like that in history, greater theologians um, that have talked about these points. And so, we should have great compassion. If we don't have compassion on the lost, we are missing the mark. We're not a royal priesthood. We're not... Uh, holy stones, building a church up. We are just, you know, we are in the seats of mockers, in the, the seat of um, pointing our finger at people. We're no better than the Pharisees or the Sadducees. So, absolutely, right. and, and to your point, sir, um, I was the same way too. A long time ago, 20 some years ago, I suppose 15 years ago, I don't know, whenever I started came, when I first came to this church, I didn't believe in predestination either. It took a while, but anyway. Uh, but now I see it. It's the whole Bible sees of it, from the from yes. the, the picking of Adam and Eve to the picking of yes. the Israelites, all through to the end of Revelation. It's God, and He has decided what will be not us. <coughs> and so we need to be very careful, and that's a good point too. Um, we need to be very careful. We say, well, that doesn't seem fair. Well, what we are we don't think like God. Our minds are not God's mind. And I'm not up here to tell you that I understand God's mind, because I certainly do not. And I never will, but probably, I'm just telling you, in this life, it ain't going to happen. Um, the point of the matter is, we have to be very careful. If, we, if, if something is at the front of the sentence that says, I, you need to be very careful about what you're saying or doing. Because if you believe that I believe, it, it, might, you know, it seems like it was an injustice that God does this to some and not to others. He is the creator. He is the maker. He gets to determine. He, you know, it's back to the parable of the potter and the clay. We don't get to determine who does or who doesn't. Um, but we are to go out and make disciples of all nations. So, you know, he has given us a methodology and a way to go out and to reach these that are lost. And we can only do our duty. You know, we are not going to change any person's heart. Nothing of what we do, only our effectual prayer and are going out and witnessing to them the preaching of the word. These things are to be done. We're told to do that. As I already mentioned earlier, the word of God will not come back void from the purpose with which it was sent out. And so, but God determines in the end through the Holy Spirit, He determines who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. And that is, those are all hard concepts to come to and understand and agree with, but that is the way it is. And so we have to, that's what we're supposed to do. If we're becoming a royal priesthood, if we're going to be one of these holy stones that we're building up, then um, if we're this chosen race that God has laid out for us, these are the things that we need to do. We cannot sit at home and just come here on Sunday and say, oh, 
right? I'm, I'm refreshed now, I feel very good, and I'm gonna go home. I'm not saying anybody here is doing that. But the potential is there. We need to be in the Word of God. And so we get to the last section here, the chosen race, verses 9 through 12. We are a chosen race. God has chosen us, each one of us in this room, and the other churches around that are Christians and all that have been chosen by God. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Now, in the Old Testament, this was Israel. Okay, the Gentiles were not part of We would have been considered Gentiles. You know, we wouldn't have any part of God, any part of... But Christ came in the New Testament. It was, it was said that he would come in the Old Testament, and he came in the New Testament, and he did. So what did he do? Now the Gentiles and the sojourner can now become part of that priesthood. They can become now part of the chosen race. Once you were not a people, he says, Princess Peter, but now you're God's people. And he's alluding to this fact that, you know, before it was the Israelites. You were Gentiles. You were part of this. But now, because what Christ did on the cross, he has now opened the doors to those who God has called. Everyone is now part of that chosen race. We're one people. We are one church. There's one truth. There's one Bible. It's one, not many. Man has made division. Man has made changes in different churches and different ways people do different things. And that's okay. And that's what man does. But what God has done, he's made one chosen race. There's one. And that's the visible church here on earth. And then, of course, the invisible church. The people that have already gone and have been caught in before God now. Um, once you had not received mercy, but now you are God's people. Again, alluding back to the fact that you know you, you as a Gentile, you didn't have mercy. You didn't have any of that. You didn't have an unfavorable merit that God has given to us. We don't have that. We didn't have that. But now we do. And again, uh, and Peter referring to the Jews, the verses on the Gentiles as people of God. All believers of Christ are one nation. We are now one nation. We are now effectually called by God to be his people. So the warnings from Peter, Peter, warnings from Peter at the end of his, this, these verses 1 through 12. We should abstain, he's kind of referring back to sin, um, abstain from passion of the, of the flesh. We should, again, we have to fight our sin. If we're not, I go back to that, I guess it was Jonathan Edwards, I'm going to say it again, if I was wrong, I'd be wrong twice, but if you're not killing sin, sin's killing you. We have to kill our sin on a daily basis. And we can't do it without the scriptures. We can't do it without being in prayer. We certainly can't do it without Christ beside us. And he's always beside us. But there's a lot of times we start trying to lean on our own understandings and, and, and kind of veer away. Um, you, know, you can't become unsaved, but you can, you can kind of veer away from where you ought to be. And so usually that's when you know, Christ snatches us up and puts us through something to get our attention. Because we don't learn. That's another thing. We don't learn. When things are going well and, you know, rose petals are thrown before us as we walk or whatever. I use that as a, you know, language of, you know, things going well. You know, we don't learn. We don't learn. It's not until you get into a hard situation and it could be a, a multitude of things. But God's using it to mold us. God uses it to mold us. And I, my heart goes out. There's all kinds of um, people in, the, in our church that are going through relations and sicknesses and health and you know bad times and all kinds of things. And every church up and down the street in this town have the same people. And they're all the different, different things that are going on. And it, it tugs at our heart, and it should, because we should be praying for them. We should be praying together. Because the effectual prayers of a righteous person do much. That's what the Bible says. And so if we're not doing that, if we're not talking to one another, not interacting with one another, um, you know, we're, we're missing out on a, a valuable uh, tool God has given us to effectually help people that are in need, to help the church, to help yourself. Um, so, all right. So, again, I go here, we need to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us, called you, which is Christ. If we do not proclaim Christ, if we're not proclaiming Christ in our workplaces, if we're not proclaiming Christ at school, if we're not 
proclaiming, proclaiming Christ and we're getting our groceries in the grocery store, then we, we're, not, we're not a royal priesthood. We're not doing the things we ought to do. We get browbeat. We get put down and act like, well, I don't want to have that. I don't want to have somebody. I'm not saying people don't do that, okay? But I think our tendencies, mine is anyway, to not do that because I don't want to cause trouble. I don't want to be, you know, doing these things. I don't want to bring attention to myself. Well, we need to put all that aside. We need to proclaim Christ and what he has done for us. He has called us out of darkness into marvelous light. I, I was sitting here. We went to the caverns one time. I don't even know where they were at. Anyway, we got down in the cave, you know, and they were all standing there. Okay, we're going to turn the lights out. And, um, and you can see what utter darkness is. And they turned out, they turned out the lights. And you could, there was not, I mean, I can't even describe it. It was utter darkness. And if anybody's had that experience, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you didn't, you ought to. Um, because when you, and then we came out, it was so great to see the light and to be able to see what was going on. And, and in this utter darkness, this is where the world is. They're running around in utter darkness and don't even know what end is, what end is up. And, um, but Christ has called us out of that. And so we need to proclaim that. Ron, I think yes. that's a good point you made since uh, Tether of the Pen and Tether Magic Magician Duo, he's an atheist, but he said that he does not respect Christians who don't proselytize because he said if you don't share the gospel with someone even if you believe it's true you literally hate that person mm -hmm. how much do you have to hate someone to not share the gospel with them because he's like you're standing on the road and a truck's bearing down at someone you're going to yell at them and eventually you're going to push them out of the way if they're not moving and if Christianity is true everyone who we know who's not a Christian they're going to hell. That's much worse than getting hit by a truck. Mm -hmm. So how much do we have to hate them if we're not even trying to share? Hey, Joseph, you bring up a great point. That's what Peter was bringing up earlier. You know, when he's mm -hmm. talked about, we talked about that already. That's a great example of how if we're just not, we're not doing the things we ought to do as a royal priesthood, <coughs> then these are the things that we are, you know, we're not being, you know, in front of man, what are we doing? Are we just, you know, walking along? Don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look at me. Okay. Or are we proclaiming Christ and Him crucified? And that is exactly why. And when we do that, if we, if we do what you're talking about, then it ruins our walk. It ruins our ability to witness to somebody else. You know, It ruins the church. It, well, it doesn't ruin the church, but it, gives a, it defames the church. It shows us that we, we really don't care about the lost. I think that's a great point. Um, and, and Peter warns us against this earlier. We talked about that. But Peter warns us not to do those kinds of things. Um, again, once you have not you have not received mercy, but now you're God's people. Uh, we have talked about that. Um, going down. Okay, so again, this, this, this is extended out to sojourners, exiles, the Old Testament. Again, the exiles, you know, when, when Israel was exiled, um, you know, and he's, he's making a case here. He's, you know, just like when, you know, the Great Dispersion... And all the Israelites were, and the Jews were uh, exiled out, and, and Christians were exiled out later in the New Testament. You know, he's talking about, um, we're exiles in the world. And he starts talking about, you know, we are exiles here. We are not of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're here, but we should look at ourselves as exiles. What we are, and what God has made us, the world wants nothing about. doesn't want anything to do with that. And it's doing everything in its power, which it never will, because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and it never will. But these people who are trying to remove God, God is dead, all the other things that we see on a daily basis. Um, we are exiles here. We are not to let that get to us. Um, they wage a war against our soul. All of these non-believers, the things in the world that don't believe in Christ and God, they're waging a war against us. And if you don't figure that out, you should know that. There is a war going on. I cannot make a stronger call to arms than right now we are in a war. It's a spiritual war. And while we haven't seen actual um, uh, persecution, it ain't far off. All you got to do is look at Canada. Go look at some other places. It's coming. If, and and I, I'm not saying that we can do anything about it, but we should be out proclaiming Christ. And, regard, and, and the heck with where it takes us. 
where whatever they want to do to us. They want to start burning people at the stake again. They want to start doing all of that. It's time for us to stand up and say, this is what Christ said, thus saith the Lord. And who cares what the results are? We know where we're going. I'm not saying that we need to make ourselves martyrs or anything, but the time may come in our generation that it may happen. I hope not. But what are we prepared to do? What are you prepared to do? If you are a royal priesthood, if you're a stone, a royal stone in building in this church, because you're at this particular church, of course the whole church is being built up for, for God, what are you willing to do? What are you prepared to do? And you, I think you ought to think about that, because there is a war raging, and it will come to our houses, it will come to our children, it's already with our children. You just have to go to your schools and see what they're teaching them. It's already here. And if we don't decide soon, you might get caught up in, in a situation that you don't want to be caught up in. So we got to keep our conduct among Gentiles honorable. This goes right back to you, Joseph. And I, I appreciate you bringing up that. Let them see our good deeds. You might lead them to Christ. Again, it's not on us for them to be safe, but you might just do it. Just like, you know, my wife used to say, let's flip a pebble in their tennis shoe. Just to flip that little thing in there about a little bit of scripture or a little bit about God, and you know you never know where that's going to go. And they talked about it in the class we did as well a few months ago uh, when we were talking about the Columbo and all those guys and how to witness to people. You know, they flip that pop, that flip that pebble. Matthew Henry states again, when the gospel shall come among them and take effect, a good conversation will encourage them in in their court in their conversation but an evil one will obstruct it. And I think that goes right back to what Joseph just said. If we, in our conversations with non-believers, are not, you know, <clears throat> proper, if we're being ugly to them, or maybe they get ugly, we just have to walk away. We went through that whole class about how to talk with people. It's a methodology. Um, then um, we're, we're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. We're not doing what God would have us to do. And it will obstruct um, an evil conversation will obstruct um, what we're trying to do. If we're trying to bring someone to Christ, if we're trying to witness to them, it will damage our witness. Um, they will speak against you as evildoers. I'm just telling you that's going to happen. They are going to do that. If you haven't been spoken at or been people talk to you that, you know, as evildoers, um, they, and of course, in here, they're talking about, he, Peter goes back and talks about being disloyal to the Roman government being disloyal. I wrote being disloyal to the world because that's what the world looks at. And if we believe in the Bible on this, it's this, this loyal, you're being disloyal to the world. But what he, he's, so he's referring to now, but also before, when a lot of you know, people were going against the Jews and the Christians, early Christians, you're being disloyal to Caesar. You're being, you're not, you know, you're using wrong, um, not following. Um, the, the, uh, the Roman way and all these different things. So, we are disloyal to the world. And then finally, glorify God on the day of visitation, drawing near for judgment or mercy. Um, we need to glorify God. We need to, until his day of visitation, until he comes again. We need to glorify him. We need to speak of him. We need to be royal, a royal priesthood. And we need to act like that. We need to truly believe that that's what Christ has called us to be. We are stones that are building a church on a regular basis, every day of our lives. And whatever we accomplish, big, small, little, in-between, it doesn't matter. When we die and we go to heaven, whatever's left behind of what we did is going to be built upon by the next generation. And it's important. Everything we do, every little thing, every big thing. Everybody's not going to do a big thing. okay? But everybody's needed to build the church and let it grow. Um, and, and very quickly here, I know I'm over a little bit, but... Um, <clears throat> I would challenge you just to get more in-depth in this. Go read uh, chapter 8 and 25, um, Christ the Mediator and of the Church. And these will give you this in the Westminster Confession of Faith. And you can go and look at that today and look at the smaller and larger catechisms along with that. It will really give you a lot of good who Christ is, why is Christ our Mediator, and then of the Church. And what does it mean to be of the Church? So I challenge you to do that. So just real quickly, our major points... Christ is the head. He is the cornerstone. We are spiritual stones building up a church in Christ's likeness. Christ, uh, we are to be holy and a priestly people. We will still sin. Be quick to lay, lay aside our sin. Lay it aside. D just 
memorialize it, get rid of it, kill it. Remember Peter's warning to the people of Christ. You know, and that's again putting aside all of those lustful sins and malice and all of those things. We are sojourners. We're exiles. We're ambassadors of Christ in a foreign land. That's what we are. We're not part of the United States of America. We're not part of Earth. We are nothing more than ambassadors of Christ in a foreign country. And you really need to look at yourselves that. We've been set apart. We've been set apart. And then watch our conduct among Gentiles. Because it will ruin your walk. It won't ruin it. It will damage it. And then when it really comes time to be used, um, it will be less than what it could have been. Um, so it's very important. What are we doing in a, with the Gentiles? Are we witnessing to them? Are we doing things we ought not to be doing? Those are all questions you need to ask yourself and tighten up. I know I have to tighten up my shot group, so another army turn. But uh, if anybody needs to know what that means, let me know. Let me close with some prayer and we'll get ready to worship the Holy God. Heavenly Father, again, we come before you, Father. We are needy people. We freely admit that we do not accomplish the things that you would have us accomplish, and we certainly don't do it as well as we ought to. Help us, Lord, be with us. Um, we need you on a daily basis. Help us, whatever sin we may have, help us to rid ourselves of it. Help us to seek you out and to follow you as you would have us follow you. And Christ is our head. And so now, as we get ready to worship you, O holy God, um, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, that we may glorify you and make it pleasing to you um, our worship this day. Um, again, we are thankful for the Lord's day and what you have given us in this day. Um, and be with us now uh, as we come to worship you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.